It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's December 22nd. I'm Kelly Reese. Welcome to your KVMR Friday Evening News Magazine. First up, we've got a look at your weather forecast this holiday weekend. When you think vending machines, if you ever think vending machines, you're probably envisioning candy bars getting stuck between shelving and glass, just out of reach. But Nevada County's Public Health Department might change your idea of vending machines altogether. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has the latest on this story. He speaks with Toby Gavon, the county's Health and Wellness Program Manager, about what can be found in a new type of vending machine. Then hydrogeologist Steve Baker returns, bringing us some Waterworld holiday cheer. He sits down with Paul Emery for the latest water news, which includes poetry? Yep, you heard that right. Mark Cunaberti drops by to share his commentary on the ever-changing job market in this week's Money Matters. And stick around for the Friday News Magazine's finale with an essay by Molly Fisk. The poet wishes all a magnificent celebration of the season in this start to your holiday weekend. That's all up ahead. Your Friday News Magazine starts now. Let's take a closer look at your weekend forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight clear with a low around 37 degrees. Saturday, areas of fog before 9 a.m., patchy frost between 7 and 8 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 55. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 35 degrees. Areas of frost after midnight. Sunday, a.k.a. Christmas Eve, Mostly sunny with a high near 53. Sunday night sees areas of frost after 5 a.m. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a low around 36 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 20 degrees. A 20% chance of snow showers after 10 p.m. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 40. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 18 degrees. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 44. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 23 degrees. For Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight widespread dense fog after 7 p.m., otherwise increasing clouds with a low around 40 degrees. Saturday, widespread dense fog mainly before 9 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 57. Saturday night will have patchy fog after 4 a.m. It'll be partly cloudy with a low around 40 degrees. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 55, with patchy fog before 8 a.m. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 39 degrees. And for Placerville and Angels Camp, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 39 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 55. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 38 degrees. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 55. Sunday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 39 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Will Northern and Southern California learn to play nice when it comes to water this holiday season? Hydrogeologist Steve Baker sits down with Paul Emery in the latest edition of Water News. In addition to state water rights, 
Hear the hydrogeologists take on the latest vested rights to mining concerning the reopening of the former Idaho-Maryland mine. All this and more up ahead. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. It's the holiday mode right now and everybody seems to be in it. So how about some cheer from the water world? (laughs) Where do we start? Hey, let's start in Reno, Nevada. Todd Gillens from the Bay Area started a very, very cool project. I just heard about this. He wrote a poem, and he posted this poem along the curb that borders an important water resource, which happens to be the Truckee River, okay? The poem prompts you, you know, you're the hiker, you're the walker, whatever, to reflect and think and wonder as you walk along this curb. And uh, your wonderment can take you from stream science all the way into the metaphorical language. So it's, it's really pretty cool. Poem is 5,000 words long. It's titled Confluence, Stream Science, Handwriting, and Urban Curbs. And uh, for those of you familiar with Reno, it starts at Idle Wild Park, and then it continues all the way to downtown Reno. So check it out. Pretty cool. Well, Steve, I, I, I hear there is a new leader at Metropolitan Water District in mm-hmm. Southern California. What's happening there? Well, yeah, there is a general, a new general manager, uh, Adele. And um, as, as we all know, we've heard this a million times, Northern Californians aren't very happy when we start conveying water down to Southern California. Okay, it's been a long, long history of, of fighting. And the reason why that's happening is uh, one-third of Metropolitan water supply comes from northern california that they're serving 19 million people down there so that's a lot of water okay one one third of their water supply comes from up here his vision adele's vision is to make metropolitan more focused on combining local storage really a heavy heavy view now of looking at local storage and also local you know water recycling and and conservation to the point of not relying very much on Northern California waters. And, and they're also uh, taking into account the Colorado River. The answers are really not just about cuts. His view and approach is really based on a view of abundance. So he's taking on that more positive spin. And that means focus on collaboration, collaboration of recycling projects. And that includes not just California. He's focused on Arizona. He's focused on Mexico. He's focused on the native tribes. The challenges for everyone are the uh, dealing with the greater extremes that we're having here in California because of climate change, you know, ultra drought conditions. And then suddenly we have, you know, wet years as we did last year. And uh, you never know when it's going to happen. So that's one of the big (laughs) challenges. But the other one is, how do you make it all work financially when the revenues uh, incentivize people to buy less water. <laughs> How does that work? So the focus really in his case is about climate adaptation. And they even have a climate adaptation master plan, okay, and a holistic solution. What a concept. I, I think that actually is, is quite good. Well, Steve, I've heard there's some pretty bold efforts that challenge the Western water world. Uh, explain that. Yeah, there is now some more serious talks that are centered on on breaching the traditional water rights that are dated way back. It's all started way back in the gold rush days. Okay, so it up and including now, it's uh, water rights are based on who got it first and how much did you get and where did you divert from your water. Uh, 
they're really looking at changing that. And it makes a lot of sense to me because as we get into these really drought, very significant drought years, we have to, uh, we end up getting really close to critical needs being met in various communities and including environmental and, and, uh, and that has to be worked out somehow. So this may, it may be the right time to be looking at this. The bottom line is the decisions that were made generations ago about land, water, and other shared resources are viewed differently today. So we need to update that viewpoint. Ultimately, this could be a good thing, but the limited share of water will be reapportioned, right? And that's not going to make those people that already have a vested interest and they've put a lot of a lot of effort into the current water rights uh, and they're not going to be very happy if they have to part with some of that water so there's more to come on this well steve let's bring it all home for now what do we have any good news for our part of the world here well you know our community has been divided on this but mostly i think the greater number of nevada countyans are really happy with the outcome of the uh, the decision on opening the Idaho Maryland mine. Okay, that's been a big deal, and of course, uh, it is not to be opened. And uh, that's uh, there's many many positive benefits of that. The vested rights to mine the Idaho Maryland mine were submitted by Rise Gold Corporation, and they were denied recently by the county supervisors. Uh, Rise Gold says that they do have a vested right, and it's it's since 1954. But the county staff report doesn't really have enough information. There's not enough evidence of continuous mining operations that are required to satisfy that uh, vested rights uh, uh, code. And also there's the 1975 Service Mining and Reclamation Act to be satisfied. So it, it really doesn't fit according to the staff. So, again, there will be more on this as well. And we will see what happens as we step into 2024. But, you know, I want to wish everybody a really a wonderful holiday. And I hope we get snow, but not too much, not like last year. Well, Steve, uh, the whole thing with the mine, it's not over yet. No, it's not. It's not over yet. No, it's Thank not. you so much, Steve. You bet. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. You head to a vending machine to grab a bag of chips or a candy bar, right? Well, not always. Nevada County's Public Health Department has new vending machines that don't contain food with questionable levels of nutritional value. You might find Narcan and fentanyl test strips in these machines, or oral health kits, maybe bags of first aid and hygiene products. That's due to the new Health Access Vending Machine Program. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks to Toby Gavon, the county's Health and Wellness Program Manager, to find out more. Toby, thanks for talking with me today. I've just learned about a new public health vending machine that's up and running in Truckee. What is it? Tell me about it. So um, the Health Access Vending Machine Program um, is a program where um, we have uh, vending machines and we are providing access to healthcare products, uh, existing healthcare products available through the county, but we want to create additional free and confidential access points for the public to access those. Really, the purpose of them is to address any access barriers that folks have to accessing these healthcare products. So um, you can get them in a variety of different places, but we have them all in one place where people can go, they can register, 
get a free unique PIN number and using that PIN number access a variety of different healthcare products that really help us in a lot of ways save lives. Um, they promote health and wellness and they reduce harm as well. And so we're really excited to be able to offer these to the general public. So there's currently one. Yep, there's one that is, um, that's live, um, and that one is in uh, Truckee at the Joseph Center. It's available from um, 8 to 5, um, Monday through Friday. Um, and if you go there, um, you can um, register in advance for a unique PIN number. And once you have that PIN number, you can also, there's a QR code on the machine, and there's an iPad um, that we have available there too. So people can get their um, unique PIN number and just access the machine right there um, to get access to a range of, of health products. So it isn't like a regular vending machine. It's more of a way for people to access items that they may need, but maybe aren't comfortable asking for. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the um, things that we hope to address through the vending machines is stigma as well. If you go up to the machine, again, all of the products are free. So in the same way, we're not really vending anything. We're just providing these access, an additional access point for these free and confidential services. When you, when you approach the vending machine, it looks like a traditional vending machine, but you'll see all of the bags we've designed to look exactly the same. So when you get a product, people can't tell what product you're getting. It's just a an opaque bag that you will get. Inside of that bag will be whatever health product that you're interested in. So we have a menu that's available right on the machine. We have a QR code where you can look at the menu um, of items that are available. And then once you get them, the products will be inside those uh, very discreet bags. And then in addition to having the actual products in there, we also have health education materials that are in each product. So um, in the example of uh, naloxone or Narcan, um, so the opioid reversal drug, if you get uh, Narcan, you will also get a brochure in there um, that has uh, opioid safety and how to use naloxone. So it'll walk you through signs of an opioid overdose so that you're you're educated and, and learn um, about um, how you can best prevent overdoses in the community, and then most importantly, how you can use naloxone. So it's got a step-by-step -step guide on how to do that directly from the instructions um, in that you would get if you have Narcan. So there's Narcan. What other items are available? Yeah, so we have um, Naloxone or Narcan um, is the brand name. Um, we have fentanyl test strips that are there, but we really want to kind of offer a comprehensive suite of products here. So we have um, adult and children's oral health kits that are available. So that's like toothbrushes, um, floss, toothpaste, uh, a bag that carries them as well as the health education materials. Um, we have um, safer sex kits as well that are available um, for people. We have um, nicotine cessation kits. Uh, we have hygiene kits, first aid kits. We really are trying to provide a range of products that really address the needs that we see in the community. And we're also open to suggestions for additional products. Um, and as we learn more about what products people are interested in having, then we can also change out what's in there to make sure that we're, we're meeting the needs that we're seeing in the community. And where did the idea come from? Is, is Nevada County the only county that's deployed something like this? No, we're not. The, um, the, a lot of our program is modeled after uh, Plumas County. Um, so they have uh, five vending machines, um, at least they did at the time, um, that, uh, that are available to the public that have very similar um, uh, uh, products um, that are in them. Um, they used... Um, they actually developed a, a, a manual, um, and we used that as we went through the process of creating the vending machines, thinking about what products we wanted to use, um, and all of those pieces. So, um, and then there's a number of vending machines. There's kind of been a, 
a focus a little bit recently on vending machines as an access point for these health services. And so I think you'll see them uh, uh, popping up um, across the state. Um, there's some efforts by a variety of different kind of uh, statewide agencies to get uh, more vending machines and access points for people to access these health products. What has the public's reaction been to something like this? How how has the community responded to the increase in what's called harm reduction? Um, we've been really fortunate. I mean, the response to the harm reduction work, to our naloxone distribution efforts, to all of the efforts to combat what we're seeing in the community in, in terms of opioid overdoses, we've had broad um, support for that. And I think you know, you can see that in both the campaign that we've put together, the No Overdose campaign, and the broad support we have from major healthcare institutions and major education institutions. Um, I think you can see that by the number of organizations that become, have become naloxone distributors to make sure that people have trusted organizations that they can go to and access these life-saving products. Um, we know that we're saving um, uh, so many lives right now with the opioid epidemic epidemic. Uh, because of that. And I think one of the things that's really important in the work that we're doing is really trying to destigmatize reaching out for help and for accessing this care. You know, when we think about, for instance, like drunk driving, right, in our schools and across the country, we've really come to a place where we uh, where we identify that we don't want people to be drinking and driving, right? And we, it's really important to educate everyone about that. When it comes to opioid overdose prevention, the leading cause of death among U.S. adults between the ages of 18 and 45 right now is fentanyl-related overdose deaths. And so it's critically important that we destigmatize that work and that we make sure that people feel comfortable coming forward and having naloxone because you're much more likely to use that to save a life. And we've seen that out in the community, um, even just recently with some young people whose lives were saved. And so it's really important that we do the destigmatizing work. So, um, so we think of it in the same way that we think about educating people about drunk driving, right? We want to make sure that people know that there are designated people in their lives who have naloxone, um, who can intervene, who can support them and save lives. That's our goal, right? It's not judgment. It's not stigma. It's really to make sure that people have access to health products that can save lives, that can help them um, lead healthier lives, and that can really you know, address a lot of the health issues that we see in our community. And that's the goal of the machines. Um, and I think we've been really fortunate that we've seen such a positive response um, to making sure that people have access to these services. Toby, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, really appreciate it, Claudio. Mark Cunaberti shares his commentary on the ever-changing job market in this week's Money Matters. Is demand for labor cooling as the economy slows? Mark muses up ahead. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. They say windows of opportunity close quickly. Nothing can be truer as it relates to the current job market. I had three kids in college this year and during COVID. I encouraged them to apply for apprentice programs at the highest quality institutions they could find. I explained to them firms like banks, financial advisory firms, insurance companies, high-tech companies, and the like were clamoring for warm bodies. Simply put, regardless whether potential workers were afraid of COVID, or sitting by the river somewhere contemplating their navel, as my 
dad used to say, few people wanted to work and companies were desperate to fill their many job vacancies. Heck, even my local Bank of America shuttered its doors on certain days due to the lack of available bodies to man the teller windows. Unlike decades before where the world was flooded each and every year with college grads viciously competing for jobs, these last few years reminded me of the proverbial kid in a candy store for those willing to set the alarm clock and get their butts out of bed into a work desk somewhere. I hammered on all my three lovelies to hit the yellow pages, well, nowadays the internet, and put their face in front of a hungry interviewer who was given the edict to fill the seat with a willing worker. In fact, in my 45 or so odd years of working, I could not remember a time when it was easier to land a good-paying job somewhere than during and right after the COVID era. In the past, a college degree in no way guaranteed you a job, even with a solid degree in hard science, let alone those majoring in sociology or communications. Not knocking those degrees, mind you, but they are two of the harder-to-employ degrees out of many on surveys of past graduates a few years into the workforce. Not so during COVID, however. Institutions of the highest caliber were more than eager to hire high school grads willing to work, and if you had a college degree, all the better. College grads have had a golden opportunity of not only getting a job, but getting a good job. Fast forward to today, however, and the employment picture is reverting back to where it was for decades. Graduates who sat back and took their time to grab a job may now be realizing that with inflation soaring and COVID savings evaporating, grads by the time are hitting the streets again looking for work. The sobering news is that companies may not be hiring due to the slowing economy and many more are laying off workers as the worst inflation of 40 years takes a bite out of consumer demand. From Reuters News, just last week comes the sobering news for graduates and non-graduates alike looking for work. Quote, U.S. job openings dropped to more than a two-and-a-half-year low in October, the strongest sign yet that demand for labor was cooling amid higher interest rates and higher inflation. One of my sons has just graduated from UC Irvine, and having to now spread his wings and pay rent in Los Angeles, he has moved into the ranks of those looking for a good-paying job and finding a time of it securing employment. As Dad warned him a few years back, an apprenticeship with a bank or advisory firm or some other high paying employer a year or so back would have likely solidified him into a great job now that he's graduated. Having waited, however, he is now competing with many others in the same predicament. Too many graduates without a parent paycheck, needing work but finding fewer job openings. In conclusion, the COVID years was literally a once-in-a-lifetime window where landing a job was a foregone conclusion as long as one wanted to work, which apparently not many did. Now that times are harder and prices are higher and the economy doesn't look to improve much anytime soon, despite what the CNBC cheerleaders tell you, the job market has reverted back to where it was for so many years. If you want a job, a good paying job, once again, you better have a sturdy pair of walking shoes and fast internet and be prepared to use them. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. Remember, this newscast expresses my opinion only and does not reflect the opinion of this radio station its staff members or underwriters. I hold a BA in economics with honors 1979 and California insurance license OL34249. I'm a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Kunabert. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. 
The Nobel laureate poet Louise Gluck was asked about teaching once and said the transaction between apprentice and master was not one way, it was an exchange. In addition to the content, quote, the younger person is reminding the older one of the early ferocity of their vocation. The older person is a representative of stubbornness and persistence and sometimes a kind of majestic fatigue, unquote. Since I've been exhausted for about six months, the phrase majestic fatigue made me laugh and also feel validated. And you know me, any chance to rise above the ordinary and use a multisyllabic word is delightful. People don't say majestic much anymore in common speech, which is too bad. The word is, of course, related to majesty, as in, good morning, your majesty, if you are waking up King Charles, which is why purple velvet robes and ermine trim came into my head. About 30 years ago, Louise Gluck was mean to two poets I adore, and I've been mad at her ever since, even with the Nobel, even after her death this year. I should probably work on letting grudges go. I can be horribly loyal, beyond all reason, and this is one way to approach it, find things I like in the work of the grudgee. People aren't perfect, and therefore the reverse is true. They're not fully imperfect either. This is so annoying. Majesty must be adjacent to magnificent in my brain's jukebox, because then I thought of one of my favorite winged creatures, the magnificent frigate bird. These are huge seabirds that float very high above Key West and other tropical coastlines. Eight-foot wingspan and forked tail, brownish-black plumage, and a red sack on the male's neck that you can't see when you're lying on your back trying to get tan and only turning pink instead, as I was one winter. I watched them for hours, mesmerized, while recuperating from some earlier majestic fatigue. Everyone I know over 50 is exhausted right now. Just coping is rough. The bills at the grocery store are astonishingly high. There is fighting around the world, nasty, ignorant political maneuverings, and oh yes, the climate crisis not being taken seriously. And now, Christmas. I do tend toward a low-key Christmas, but this year all I've managed is some outdoor colored lights and to keep doing the dishes. I'm not making cookies or jam. I'm not writing cards. My nearest and dearest are each going to get one lovely personal phone call, and that's it. The majesty of my fatigue does not leave room for crawling under the bed to locate wrapping paper. I bow to those of you running out for more heavy cream, stringing cranberries and popcorn, letting small children pour red and green sugar on the reindeer cookies. You are all saints and, it goes without saying, mostly women. Making up guest beds with clean sheets, remembering which uncle drinks what kind of scotch, hiding unwrapped presents among your someday-to-be-fixed broken toaster ovens on a garage shelf. It makes me tired just singing your praises. Whoever you are and whatever you're doing, I wish you a magnificent celebration of the season. You are marvelous, wonderful, amazing, incredible, fabulous, and completely majestic. And don't you forget it. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com.
This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Friday, December 22nd. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Dignity Health, treating patients with compassionate care and commitment while providing a range of medical expertise and a dose of human kindness. Details at dignityhealth.org slash rlocations. And Interfaith Food Ministry, a local community resource helping people with food insecurities along with pet food weekly, providing meals during the holiday season. More information at interfaithfoodministry.org. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. Thanks for tuning in to your Friday News Magazine. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a happy holiday weekend. Thank you.